On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music. Culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hello, fellow archaeologists. Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Christian Swain here, behind the mic in Hollywood today at Aftermaster Studios. Thank you for joining us. In Deeper Digs, we go a little further, dig a little deeper into specific topics that tie in with rock and roll history. The music, the culture, and the technology. It's the companion show to our episodic overview of rock history, the Rock and Roll Archaeology Podcast. If you're not listening to our main podcast, well, you are missing out. This episode, we'd like to ask you to consider a donation through our Patreon page or pick up some merch from Tee Public. We humbly appreciate any and all help. All the info can be found at rockandrollarchaeology.com. And archaeology is spelled A-E-O as in the King's English. Thank you. Something special today, something new. We'd like to introduce you to the newest host for the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Our newest show is going to be called Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends, hosted by our guest today, the aforementioned mononymous Kosh. Kosh is a legendary art director with something like 2,000 album covers to his name. We will sample just a few today as we get to know him. He's also done posters, tour programs, and the like, among them John Yoko's Wars Over campaign. He also worked with numerous photographers, designers, and the like, and of course, many of the stars. Kosh has this unique knack for pulling the perfect image out of the head of the musical artist to create album covers that reflect the music succinctly, at a glance, and at the same time, invite you to pour over every detail and peel through all the layers of meaning. Not just album covers, album art. He has a truly remarkable body of work, 
far too many iconic covers to catalog here. And besides, I don't want to spoil any upcoming stories. But it all started with Cautious first album cover design, the most famous of all the Beatle records, Abbey Road. Yeah, and it just goes on from there. And it turns out he's a good storyteller, a bit of a rockin' tour even. So let's do it. Let's get to talking with the host of our new show, Art of Rock with Caution Friends. Kosh. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome Kosh, uh, our newest host to the family of uh, podcasts on the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> I happy said that to have you. Very British accent, you noticed. I, well, you are kind of British. Well, I'm putting it on. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, that's why we picked you. We needed, well, I was born in Brooklyn, probably. In Brooklyn. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just an act. Yes, of course. It's a great act. Thank though. you so much. Yeah, that's why we hired you. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, let, hey, let's introduce the diggers to uh, your new show, which is called Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends. Tell us what what's it going to be about. It's going to be about about all the people that I've worked with, the stars, uh, the celebrities, uh, the rock and roll photographers and designers uh, that I've worked with, and all the fun and trepidation that we've had, and we can expand upon all these different sort of stories behind the great rock and roll album covers uh, that we've created or um, have been involved in in some respect or another. It's going to be just a gas. That's the whole point. Yeah, because you've had a very long career uh, designing uh, album covers. I, I think the last time uh, I checked, it's like close to 2,000 album covers. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I'm told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's somewhere around there, yeah, but it's, it uh, started way back. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, so let's see. Officially, your title is art director. Yes. That's why you are the host yes. of Art of Rock with Kosh Yes, I'm the orchestra c- conductor. Yeah, yeah. T- comes... t- yeah. Explain to the folks what, what an art director in the uh, the rock and roll Well, the art director has to deal with the client, the artist particularly, mm-hmm. and, and also be a bridge between the artist and the record label. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is you have to orchestrate, you know, who we're going to use to take the pictures, how the picture's going to be lit mm-hmm. and look, and how we're going to print them, and uh, also how we get it within budget and... And out on time, which is most important. It has to be, you know, if it's October, you have to be in the stores in November and trucks have to roll and you cannot screw that up. No, no. So, yeah. And and you're kind of like at the end of the line because all the music's been uh, put together. Not necessarily. I could start right at the very beginning of the line, actually, when we got we're listening to rough mixes, because that's one of the things that I'm very concerned with Mm -hmm. is that when I meet the artist and um, I listen to their music and sometimes they're rough mixes, Mm -hmm. they're just coming out of the studio and they're a little bit embarrassed about letting them out at the moment because they haven't been mixed. Mm -hmm. Um, And but that's the very point that I like to be there, because then I can see that the images that we are going to create um, are going to sort of 
definitely sort of reflect the music that people are going to buy because yeah. that's the whole yeah. point. It's, this is where art and commerce have to meet at some point. Yeah. And it's the point is, you know, as I say, I think I uh, mentioned some time back that in the old days, 15% of your sales were uh, coming from impulse buyers. Mm-hmm. So people saw a really great cover. You had to catch the eye. They had to catch the eye. Right. But it also had to describe the music within uh, the old-fashioned word again, grooves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of us who listen to Vinyl Snob, oh. uh, one of our shows, uh, it's it's all about uh, those twelve-inch pieces of art, right. and you, you know, helped create all of that during the great heyday of rock and roll. Yes, it was yeah. the great art, uh, you know, sort of gallery in the sky yeah. when you could walk into your record store and you can see all these albums that sort of uh, surrounding you, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. you then will decide whether you want to go country, whether you can go rock, whether you can go. You know, whatever you want to do, yeah. but the, the image has to describe what you're about to buy, and that's very important. But also, more importantly, uh, is that the artist you're working with has to trust you. Mm-hmm. It's very important that they know you're going to not let anything go out that doesn't work. Yeah, and we'll get know. into that. So, did you train for this? Did you go to school specifically for? Yeah, I went to I went to Hornsey Art School, Art College actually, which was um, it was in those sort of sort of strange days when uh, I think. Uh, you had a choice, you know, when you're sort of ill-educated like I am. Mm-hmm. You either have to join the army and sort of risk getting killed or you uh, go to art school. <laughs> so you can tell yeah. which one I chose. So you <laughs> came up with that generation like like John Lennon and yes, many exactly. of the others that, yeah. that you know, uh, they didn't – you didn't have to join the army uh, starting in no, the, the mid to late 50s. No, had ended at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you, yeah. Could, you could go to go to a college of some form uh, right, and exactly, get training. Yeah. So, and you went that route. I was very lucky because – because I could draw hands, and therefore I got a scholarship. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it started with that, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I still, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess actually, I think, I think it is said that drawing a, the human hand is actually a very difficult it's, thing. It's, it's worse than the foot, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well. But I've got to tell you that, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I had that skill. I've lost the skill. I've lost the skill. Oh. Because there's computers now. Well, know? yeah. So, you know, well, you so can do it on... I don't need the skill right. anymore, you but can, the point you, is... You I, can do it on Adobe Illustrator or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so anybody can do it. Could do it in those days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. So you grew up in that, that generation, the post-war. North uh, London post-war generation. Yeah, yes. yeah the yeah. 1950s, right? Right, so, yeah. Yeah, what was that like for you? Well, I mean, we had a lot of sort of, um, there's a lot of bombing going, or had been going on in, in, in the 40s. So there were bomb shelters and there were bomb craters and things yeah. to play in. So, mm. um, you know, we'd get our little tricycles and our bicycles and we'd sort of uh, do what skateboarders do today, uh, but on little old bike, you know, fairy bicycles and things like this. Wow, in the bombies. And, <laughs> in, uh, in, 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 yes, in a bomb crater, yes, yeah. right. Wow. Which is, yeah. could be full of water too. So it was kind of, you know, we come home filthy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I think uh, rationing was still going oh, on. Oh, definitely. And, uh, and and you 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 grew up in a like a middle class. Yeah, it was uh, sort of lower family. middle class. Low, yeah, lower yeah, middle I, class, yeah. Right? I don't think middle class might be stretching it a little bit. It was mm-hmm. definitely because I was in sort of North London. It's not exactly a slum, but it was not precisely you know how one would. Uh, 
He wasn't middle class. He wasn't sort of Spielberg middle class. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. The, the unwashed masses. Yes, uh, thank you. Now I was definitely uh, one of I, them. Now I feel very Dickensian, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking of a Monty Python uh, episode, uh, you know, where all the kids are in the stuffed into the house. Yes, and, uh, exactly. Yes, yeah, right. It wasn't quite that of life. bad. But nonetheless, it was, uh, you know. I, Not quite that bad, yeah, I'm no, sure. No. But, but, but now. But oh, it was the great unwashed, yes. Yeah. What what'd your father do? Actually, my father started out, this is very interesting, my father started out designing the undercarriage for the Mosquito uh, Oh, the uh, fighter plane. Fighter plane, uh, for, yeah, for de Havilland, yeah. yeah. And that sort of, I don't know, because he was an engineer, it kind of led him into working, I don't ask me how this happened because I was too young, um, but working for Wurlitzer. Oh, well, the, so he uh, made the jukeboxes the jukebox and the organs. He was right. a, he mm. was a, he could tune a sort of pipe organ for the you know the theatres in those days. We know the organ would rise from the ashes, like Phoenix, and um, he, he he worked on that. So he had perfect pitch, which I don't have. Um, but nonetheless, he started to work for Wurlitzer, and that sort of leads me to a little thing further down the line when I started designing using all those sort of modern graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, sort of somewhere I call Wurlitzer Modern now, mm-hmm. uh, because it's all jukebox oriented. Mm-hmm. That's where I started listening to rock and roll music, American rock and roll music, um, in his shop. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I, this is l- probably late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. So you know, you and a and a lot of uh, English kids are listening to American oh, yes. rock and roll. Yes, uh, definitely. You've got uh, Bill Haley and Elvis and Chuck Berry, and plus all the blues yeah, guys. Oh yeah, know, right. Or, 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 yeah, uh, exactly. You know, importing. You know, it's like, uh, the, I think one of the big things I was listening to that was really crazy about was Blue Slade Shoes. You know, we got all this stuff that was coming in because uh, American servicemen were bringing in these forty fives. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there so, was still a lot of American servicemen. Oh, on, yes. on the yeah. island. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So, not unusual for uh, uh, you know English kids your age uh, to to have lived lived in, and picked up on, which you know created that first British invasion. Well, which yeah, because it, it's funny, very very strange because it sort of got absorbed into art schools and things. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, um, you know, because I, I I think the Royal College had Pink Floyd. Yeah, you know, I we had a sort of the embryonic Kinks, you know, for our mm-hmm. College, mm-hmm. college band. Um, but oh yeah. I the animals were up in Newcastle. Uh, but rock and roll was very, very much tied up with visuals at that point because all of a sudden there was a, a, you know, there was a way we could work together, you know, because we had to sort of put billboards up. We had to put posters yeah. up. We had yeah. to do stuff, you know. And uh, I was lucky. I had the keys to the Photoshop and the, the type shot so I could create things. And yeah. um, it just one thing led to another, I yeah. guess. Were you always artistic? Did you did you know that from a I, young I, age? You know, I don't know. I mean, I had an uncle who was an art director at one of the big advertising agencies who, you know, sort of inspired me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I worked for him uh, for a little while as an intern and got fired because I wasn't very good. <laughs> good at being an intern? or I don't, not good at any, anything at that time. I'm a callow, callow youth. Right, 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 right. So you go to you go to art school. Uh, yeah, that and was a big thing. You've yeah. learned the trade, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you felt like this is what you wanted to do. What was your first job out of, uh, out of school? Well, I went to intern, actually, at, a, at the, the August British Printing Corporation, which was a sort of burly conglomerate of printers, and um, got involved in, in their design studio. And, in fact, I was taken under the wing of, you know, the, the guy who ran the place, 
And I started working on products like posters and flyers for the Royal Opera, which encompassed the Royal Opera House and the Royal Ballet. Um, and I started really enjoying myself with type, typo, typography, which I really mm-hmm. love, still love to do today. Now, if I remember right, you're, you're, you're a bit of a classical music fanatic as well. Well, yeah, that's because what happened was, um, uh, still as the callow youth, um, the, the whole art department got fired, uh, but I actually managed to go off with the Royal Opera House um, as a client. And so I started there with my own little corner desk thing. And all of a sudden... How, how old are you here? Oh, I've got to be in 1920. Really? Yeah, I'm really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden I'm like, I can walk into the opera house and listen to Mozart and I can listen to Brahms and I could hear these studio musicians, I mean, the orchestras, you know, are still in their jeans and T-shirts and whatever else and they're rehearsing, you know, or they're rehearsing a ballet with a, Sir Frederick Astor. So the point is you just suddenly getting swamped with like oh it's fucking music it's yeah. so gorgeous yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and it's it's the same being played by some of the best players yes, in the world yes right, yes right, yes right. yes and then you go into the pub afterwards and even though you're underage you're drinking with them um but the point is that it's it's the same with rock and roll you know they're all making music and the point of making music is to really make sure you are having a good time yeah. listening to music yeah, yeah yeah and that's what i think really struck me more than anything else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a gas, as yeah. we say. So, how long were you with the uh, Royal Opera House? Not that long, actually, because oh. it's um, because I was also working for a magazine called Art and Artists, uh, which the great uh, Mario Maya was uh, the editor, mm-hmm. and he decided that he would go to run the Venice Biennale, which, as you know, is every two years is the great art show in Italy, um, and he left me in charge of the magazine, which was like. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm fielding phone calls now from Rauschenberg and sort of, you know, I mean, yeah, and all these great artists are calling in, you know, because they, they want to be included. Well, they in wanted the to be in the magazine. Yeah. No, they wanted yeah. to make sure that the pictures they had in the magazine look, you know, were okay and whatever else. So I'm dealing with all these people, um, and totally out of my depth, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, retaining a Cockney sense of humour, uh, we managed to get through that quite well. Um, and then, um, then that's when that, when the whole thing turned over uh, was I got when I got the phone call from John Lennon because he and Yoko wanted to put in a floppy disk insert of their primal screaming music thing that they were doing at the time. Yeah, so so let's get into talking yeah. to, to working with the Beatles. Yeah, that's uh, how it started. That's, <laughs> that's kind of a, a, a big rock, if you will, oh, really? uh, in your career. Never uh, thought of it a, like that. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> So you get this call, yes. uh, uh, who and, and really uh, John and Yoko wanted to put a a, a disc is, is that yeah in, they, into do you this remember magazine? those things like floppy discs they yeah, were like, like it was like a like a, a paper like, place, like it was yeah. kind of plastic you could cut it out and then put yeah, it on and you the put record it in your turntable yeah, 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 yeah square yeah. and you cut yeah, around the corners yeah. or you didn't here in America we'd have that on the back of cereal boxes yes or exactly like okay that. this is so, same thing yeah. but he wanted yeah. to insert this in with a couple of his drawings of course which we hadn't quite got to the erotic drawings he was doing with Yoko yet but that was coming. So we'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll save that for later. <laughs> he phoned me and uh, said, "Can I come and meet him?" And I, of course, having dealing with all my friends in the art world who were notorious.
notoriously. Oh, you thought this was a joke? Oh, yeah, yeah of course, because right. these are notorious sort of yeah. put her on. Well, of course, such yeah, a word, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be. Hello, this is John Lennon. He, yes, Rose, he speaks like this, you, can, you know. Can, I'd like uh, you to come around and talk and to me. And it could have been David Ox to be the great sort of sculptor who <laughs> also had a Liverpudlin accent. You know. uh-huh. uh, so I decided I would go and meet this guy, um, thinking, what's the worst can happen? We'll end up in a pub and get smashed, and I'll try and get a cab, cab to get home. Right. Uh, but it was him. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> so I went to meet him, and the door opened, he opened the door and said, uh, let's put the kettle on, and it was John Lennon. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, was, and this is like six, 1968, right? Yeah, so. but he liked my work, because I'm doing minimalist work at the time. I, could, mm. you know, I, I wasn't very good at psychedelia, so I sort of sort of kept everything sort of really cold and black and white, which is what it appealed to him, Okay, and Yoko. And which is led to, which what led to the uh, War Is Over campaign mm-hmm. and the John Lennon Diary and all those things that we did together, which are all very stark and very very clean typography. Which I, I must admit, because of my upbringing with the British Printing Corporation, I was really good at. You so, knew you knew how to make that. Oh, work I knew on, how to right. do typography. Yeah, right, yes, right, yes, yes, right. yes. So uh, the first album cover, uh, and let's. I mean, if you're going to get in the rock and roll business, I guess you might as well start at the top, uh, <laughs> is Abbey Road, right? Yes, yes. So let's tell the listeners what uh, what that was about. Well, I stumbled into it because uh, John Lennon decided that, you know, there's a desk in the corner of Apple Records that you can sort of use and whatever else. And then I think it was, um, I was actually working, started to work with uh, Mary Hopkin at the time, just doing a little few things. Um but all of a sudden, it was urgent that the Abbey Road album had to come out on a certain date. And it probably was contractual reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there was a deadline. It was a deadline, mm-hmm. yeah. And the late, great Ian McMillan um, shot the pictures, you know, uh, of the guys walking across the street. Uh, Were you there that day? No, I wasn't, actually. No, I was actually back at Apple, sort of, uh, sort of, on the telephone and wondering where the printer's going to be and all this, organizing all that stuff. Um, so I did actually go out there in the end and then we came back with all the pictures and there were only, there were only 12 pictures. There's only 12 shots of the guys walking across the street. So we chose the one that seemed to work the best. Uh, and you can see Paul's out of step. Uh, and we've got and that. without shoes and without shoes, mm. which he you know kicked off because they were his sandals. He was wearing sandals and a suit were uncomfortable, and so what we did was we chose that one shot because I had like twenty four hours to get this piece to the printer. Oh, I, that that's how quick the deadline. Yeah, was. yeah, it was a publicity shot. Mm. It was never intended to be an album cover. Um, so what happened was we put it together and I decided it was probably didn't, we didn't need to put the Beatles name on it. We didn't need to put Abbey Road on it. Oh, you think? Yeah, because they're the biggest band in the world. And if you yes, don't know who they were, this, they're in a they're, ca- you're, they're you're mythic in, creatures you're, you're at this point. You're in a cave, right. you know, so, um, anyway, they come off the White Album and we, I'd actually been working on Let It Be. Yeah, the White Album was pretty minimalistic as yes, well. Yes, it was, so, yes. Yeah. And uh, David Hamilton did that wonderful poster inside. Mm-hmm. Let Get Back was the original name of the Let It Be album because mm-hmm. uh, Paul wanted to get back to their roots. And so that was the one I was working on at the time when that was shelved or at least postponed because contractually they had to make one more album. And it turned out to be Abbey Road, possibly my opinion, because I'm biased, the greatest Beatles album <laughs> it was ever made, you know. I know, you've got Sergeant Pepper. Oh, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. no, 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 I'm not yeah. going to go into that. Um, Revolver, Revolver, yeah, Rubber Soul, no, you get, everybody into, argues. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, the point is, um, 
that 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 was shelved, and Abbey Road um, had no title on it. And I got the phone call from Sir Joseph Lockwood, who was the head of EMI, which yes. is the parent right. company of Apple Records uh-huh. and, and Capital Records, actually, uh, letting out at 2 o'clock in the morning a string of invective. And he has a very, very posh, high-class accent. So when he starts using bad language, you know, it, you, 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 you just start to quiver. Uh, and I was very, very scared. It's like Wellington uh, yelling at you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right, right, and it's, right. it's you, you know, you like you, you know, you're always peeing in your pants because you just don't know what to do. <laughs> and it's two o'clock in the morning, um, and why it's two o'clock in the morning, I don't know. But I can't stop the presses. The presses are all run. You know, they're done. It's done. It's over. So I had to go to Apple the next morning. Oh, so it was actually already. Printed. It was already on press. There was no way to change it no. anyway. No, 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 no. Oh. Um, and, you know, he was accusing me of sabotaging the Beatles and never sell an album and whatever else. So I, I, I had to go to Apple the next morning. Now, you imagine how I felt. Mm-hmm. I'm a, what? Tail between your legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And for some reason, uh, Paul McCartney, not Paul, uh, George had arrived early, which he doesn't normally. You know, he turned up in his rolls and throw the keys to the Apple Scruffs, the sort of groupies, and they'd park his car for him. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, and I got in there and I said to George, oh, my God, you just don't know. Tell me. You, I just got to tell you that I had a phone call from Joseph Lockwood, you know, who just ri- ripped me a new one uh, because I didn't put the name of the Beatles on, on, on the cover and whatever else. And you could see I was very upset. So he said, well, you know, fuck him. We're the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, we can do whatever we want. Yes. We like it. Yes. So, go so to that hell, was that sir. story. That was Lockwood, my first right. album cover, yes. Wow. <laughs> and so you, you, you end up really uh, working for the Beatles and, and uh, uh, Apple Records for uh, a couple of couple years. A couple of years, now. yeah, because yeah. there was a decline coming. It was obvious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so a decline. So, did you, there, did you know it right <laughs> then that. Uh, that the, the the band was beginning to split apart. It, well, was it, yeah, was it because of, because of the Let It Be um, or the Get Back sessions, you know, because they were shooting at Twickenham Studios and George was really pissed off and left in a half. Ringo went to make, I think it was The Magic Christian. I can't remember. There was two movies he was involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just left John and Paul, uh, who were supposed to be in two different camps. Uh, Paul was in the Eastman camp, and oh, yeah. John Alan was in Klein. the Cli- yeah, right. Klein camp. Right. And I was more associated with Klein because I'd been to New York a few times and worked over there and stuff. But I was called in, actually, for th- their last single, which was the ballad of John and Yoko, because mm-hmm. they had contractually had to make another single. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked into Abbey Road Number 2 studio, and then it was like, wait a minute, there's two kids in here. One is George, I mean, sorry, one is Paul, and one is John. And Paul is on Ringo's drums, and John's playing rhythm. And I'm thinking, and Yoko's in the corner there somewhere, you know. I, I'm gesticulating, you can't see this, can you? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is interesting, because they're not supposed to be communicating. And they were having a great time. They were talking to each other, they were bantering and having fun. And it ended up with uh, Paul then came down to do bass, and then John did lead, mm-hmm. and it became the ballad of John and Yoko. Great and, song. Yeah, I know. And it's like, I mean, and the press had no clue this was going on. Well, you know, working relationships and lifelong buddies yeah. or you know it's it, it can be complicated yeah. and sometimes it can be just the way it was but they were funny so, too it wasn't like yeah. there was any strain there it's just like you know yeah. there's supposed to be strain but it wasn't yeah. yeah so that's my part of the story so you came in a little bit late uh, yeah. after they were uh, kind of uh, you know 
the big right i came in just after the white album yeah Yeah. and uh, you know what 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 is your takeaway about uh, them as people uh or a working band or what you saw as people they were you know um splendid i mean john was you know uh very sarcastic Mm -hmm. and funny and if you liked to you were fine Mm -hmm. you know ringo was jolly and paul was the sweetest uh, you know as sweet as he can be without being over the top and george of course was the loveliest man in the world (laughs) yes real just just oh yeah just great so but these guys were running up and down the stairs all the time there was no graces you know that they put on and they were just doing you know stuff Mm -hmm. i mean i think when i got there paul sort of lost interest in apple and john took over but there were you know but it was like billy preston there you know i mean they're just you know this people would arrive and be assimilated yeah uh, into the into what was a was seriously hard work making records and getting them out on time right you know so you know leon russell was there i mean just everybody around was seriously concerned in doing this job all legends yes Uh, they're all having fun don't get me wrong yeah um but they were you know dedicated that this record's not going out if it ain't right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so hey one more question were you were you there the the uh, for the last show on the top oh on the top yeah yeah i was yeah i was i was lurking behind a chimney (laughs) so so, so, (laughs) you're there in the movie in the the, the, I'm no, the, you can't see me. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 the, the, the engineer downstairs in the basement, you know, the famous, infamous basement at Apple, which is where they were recording, and all the cables were sneaking up to the roof because mm. it was all put together in like a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they it, only got like 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, right. The cops it, was, it, was, shut them down it was freezing the up there. And what well, no one realized at the time was the weight of the equipment uh, could have gone through the roof because oh, yeah. that building built in. 18, right. 12, or whatever, right. um, was not designed to carry, you know, uh, Ringo's kit and Billy Preston's kit and all the people up there. We could have just all gone and down and perished. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you did, even though the, the Beatles themselves as a, as a unit uh, dissolved, you continued to work with all four of them. I, uh, no, no, no. I only worked with, uh, no, no, not all four. I oh, worked with John. You were, okay. George still went off and did his stuff. I worked with Ringo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I did four albums, I think, with Ringo from that point on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with um, uh, Buco Blues. Mm-hmm. That's where I came in on Buco Blues. And then we worked on a few others, you know, Ringo the Fourth and whatever else that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then John's other. Other projects that had, I had with John, because John wanted to come out with a single every week, a topical single oh really every week Mm -hmm. which is now quite possible but in those days was impossible yeah because not only do you have to press the records you have to put i was going to put a black and white sleeve on every one of them um and it had to be topical now in those days you can't do that you know trucks have to roll we have to get all the everything pressed delivered whatever else now you can download it you can do it yeah uh so it wasn't possible so it all fell through but nonetheless it was a you know it was a funny ambitious yes it was an ambitious challenge which you know collapsed but Mm -hmm. nonetheless you know you're all so intense on trying to make it work you know and the record company is just going berserk right because it's not possible yeah yeah now, two other huge pillars of the British invasion are the Rolling Stones and the Who, and you've mm. got to work with both of them yes. as well, too. Yes. So let's start with the Rolling Stones. Oh. You, the I Strolling think, Bones, as we the, used to call them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the Rattling Bones <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, uh, yes. uh, they, 
goes, boy, hey, here, here's a single act of... Uh, 50, oh my God! Yeah, the best uh, rock and roll band six, in the world. Almost no 60 doubt about years it. now. Yeah. Yeah, my God! Unbelievable. Yeah. And Mick's so, still doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's on a big he's giant older stage, than I am, that's saying something. around. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, so um, you worked on uh, one of the great. All-time great live albums, uh, Get Your Yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think documenting the '69 American tour. One of, one of that's an infamous tour, but pretty much uh, well, yeah, ends with Altamont. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Which I, I think has something to do with how the album cover changed uh, behind came about. my back. In right. fact, right. Yes. Right. Yes, right. <laughs> tell us the story. Of oh, that. Okay, yeah, because the original concept was the uh, Mick would have the Uncle Sam hat that he would wear on stage. Yeah, okay. And there was a big revolution food-wise in England at the time. We, we, American hamburgers were like the big thing because mm. English hamburgers like were just awful. <laughs> Uh, when it's probably still on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I had this concept of having the hamburger on top of his hat. And mm. it sounds kind of weird now, I must admit. Uh, and the ketchup was kind of coming out and dripping down the well, side of the, the head. 60s. Right. And I thought this was kind of a nice way of doing mixed, you know, it's a salute to Mick, actually, in his uh-huh. hat. And then, of course, I, I decided to go to... Was it just the hat and the hamburger? Yeah. That was the plan. Yeah, it was, it was it. just It was hat. very, very okay. simple. So, <clears throat> I was in, it was okay. going to be stark, you right. know, like, and it says Rolling Stones, you right. know. It seemed to yeah. sum it up quite yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're into that is, in, instant visual yeah. communication at the time. Well, it is the American tour, so... Yes, yeah, exactly. A hamburger and, where, and uh, Uncle it. Sam hat. Got, got it. it. Yeah. And then, of course, I went... I, I decided to go on vacation. I went to Ibiza and came back just after the ultimate disaster... Um, and uh, Mick had decided to pull the cover because the ketchup looked like blood coming down the hat. Uh, and he stuck David Bailey's picture of Charlie. <laughs> oh, with the hat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and, and the donkey. And uh, the donkey. Uh, yeah. And on his original, the T-shirt, he had f- female breasts printed on his. Uh, <laughs> I think they're gone now. Or maybe right. if you get an old one, if you go to Amoeba, you might find an old print. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so and I was like furious, like what happened to my cover, you right. know? But I was no more. I was not as upset as David Bailey, the photographer, who just took that picture as a joke and had no intention of it being on an album cover. <laughs> so his name's on it, my name's on it, and neither of us are happy except Mick, who just give a shit. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, well, and it's one of the be- you... best live records ever. You yeah, know, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And then uh, also another huge, huge uh, album, uh, probably in just about everybody's record collection, is Who's Next? Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You put that the best, album in my opinion. Again, I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, the best Who album. Who's album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, a, that was, that was serendipitous because, you know, most times we plan things very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the band were driving uh, – it, why they were driving on the M4 going west of London, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, being kind of drinkers and whatever else, they had to stop to pee. And there were the obelisks, which kind of looked a bit like 2001, though no one realized it at the time. And Ethan Russell took the pictures of them peeing up against the concrete slabs. So so literally they're driving down the road and they see the M4, this thing and yeah. stop and go – 
this is the perfect well, place, or did they know ahead of time? You that? know, it's it's like you know. The only thing I can tell you that the pea stain from Roger Daltrey is not real. <laughs> that there was a cup of water <laughs> had to be thrown there to make it <laughs> look like it was real. <laughs> not enough drinking uh, that no, day. Huh? No, I was on my way to Keith Moon's house at the time, which was a different thing altogether. So, uh-huh. so I just chose the picture, um, and then I retouched it. And if you look at it very carefully, you can see I didn't do a very good job on it because oh, I was well, tell there was us. no what's, Photoshop what's in those the thing, What's the thing? to look for. Well, the point is the sky. The sky was the English grey sky. Uh-huh. And I t- decided to steal another Brighten sky and, and make you know, cut it in blue. with uh-huh. scalpel blades and uh-huh. spray mount or whatever else and then uh-huh. retouch the edges. And it kind of looks like I did it with a toothbrush because <laughs> I it wasn't very good at those days. <laughs> no Photoshop. Iconic. No Photoshop. Oh, my gosh. All right, everybody. Go and look, pull out that album cover yeah. and look Oh, please. No, no. I don't, well, no, no, yeah. no, no. Send your cards don't. and letters to Kosh. No, Care send to you. Care of rock and roll archaeology. <laughs> Oh, geez. So uh, you, you're there in England. This is now seventy one, seventy two. You're 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 working. Uh, uh, I, I guess there's, there's probably a couple of competitors that are yeah. right around there too. I know hypnosis. Oh would yeah, be hypnosis one. were great competitors because they they were sort of they handled more or less Pink Floyd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you wearing a t shirt? Yeah. Um, sorry. Yes. Yes. I, am I know. Wearing a hypnosis. <laughs> um, and uh, no, they were great. They were great competitors. The Storm. And, I did and that Poe. on purpose. Yeah. Poe actually, you know. we'd need to get on the show sometime. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, there were a couple of other guys that were working there. Um, and yeah, it was. You know, I think was, John Pash. Was oh yeah, John one? Pash, who, who designed. I hate to say this because it really pisses me off. He designed the <laughs> the, the Rolling Stones tongue sticking out logo, which is Instant, obviously instantly the recognizable best, best around the world. Logo right. that you could possibly have for the Rolling yeah. Stones. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's my sort of salutation to. Uh, Pash. Well, maybe we'll have uh, if we can get him on, the, on, get the, him on, the, on the show. On the yeah, because we can have a lot of future. fun with that. Right? Because we right. used to steal each other's clients. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now I think uh, you know you mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of the show, um, and how you try to get with the artists, uh, listen to the music, uh, get inside their head a bit on what they're trying to convey, and then and then do that through imagery. Uh, which I think is a little bit different than some of what the other guys would well, do. Well, yeah, because, I mean, some guys had sort of preconceived sort of images that they would try and mm-hmm. sell. Mm-hmm. Um, my, so they would, they would, like, design these things and then just say, yeah, then hey, what about this one? Or take it about this one? Right, go to yes or go to, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted to do something, you know, which was just get into the studio early if I could, even if we're just listening to rough mixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and get the trust of the artist. That, that's most important. If they realize that you were working for them and not necessarily working for the label, uh-huh. because sometimes these guys are at odds with the label, and I became the bridge quite often between what the label wanted to do and what the artist wanted to do, and I was the one who would uh, wow. try and sort of... Uh, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, wow. stuck in the middle. Yeah, thank you. Nice one. Um, so... <laughs> Very good one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the point was that you know, I, once I got their trust, you know, and they understood that nothing's going out that isn't perfectly right, which is what they were doing with their music after yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, nothing's going to go out time. unless yeah. it's fucking yeah. perfect. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that they understood that um, we could work that same way. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the art department who just was, you know turning up from nine to five and sort of you know cranking out the work. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. and so no, it's unfair to some art departments, but nonetheless, basically it was, uh, you know, they were just you know 
well, they weren't hacks. They were just like put things together. Well, they, there was also a, a lot, of, a lot of different artists to, yeah, to work with, you know, and everybody I mean, has a deadline. At, and you can look at you know. classic albums that have got dreadful covers, like the you know one of the greatest albums ever, the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. Yeah, what is that cover about? You know, <laughs> um, and that's what my job was to sort of stop that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, good for you. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure so all those uh, artists appreciate it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's too bad that we we still don't have uh, such a connection between uh, the visual art and and the uh, the music. But it's shrunk. I mean, or the visual yeah. part of it's shrunk now. So, yeah. You know, well, have... it's not. It's like it's going, went from twelve inch. Yeah. To four, four inch to yeah. now about two inch. If you get that, it's even seventy five like, uh, uh, yeah, right. or or less than that on a yeah, phone, be, and it'd know? be tooth implants. Next, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, why why did you decide to come to America? You're doing so well in. Uh, uh, in, because in America beckoned, there was no doubt oh, about it. Okay. See, I worked in New York a few times. You did, maybe, okay. You'd go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how? What? What brought you to New well, York? Well, I mean, Rod Stewart came over. Uh-huh. Ringo came over. Uh-huh. Um, Peter Asher, um, who brought over James Taylor, though he's an American artist, but he was originally signed to Apple, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and it mm-hmm. didn't do well, but mm-hmm. he re-signed him to A and M, and it did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came over because I wanted to. You know, get out of that sort of. Uh, I just want to get some sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot in London. <laughs> no, I, right, know, right. right. And, 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 you know, and sort of as soon as I reconnected with Peter Asher, you know, I suddenly met Linda Ronstadt, for Christ's sake, who's one of the greatest mm-hmm. white singers mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Demure and beautiful and unassuming. That, that's a that's an oh, LA girl. Yeah. So so you. Well, she, you, she no, she's from she's from Tucson. Actually. But yes, but I mean, I mean, let's. Oh, well, you know, well, her, got her career into, was built yeah, here, and that so. got me into the Eagles. You know, so the whole mm. West Coast scene now. Uh-huh. Is, yeah, this is this is early seventies. So this is like nineteen seventy three, three, when four, you'd five. Come over yeah, here? coming because it started in seventy. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I started picking up clients until seventy four, maybe seventy five. By the time I got to Hotel California, because basically you just had to start all over, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was. Not I mean, you had some welcome. connections like Ringo and, and Peter James Asher, Taylor, Peter yeah, but Asher, I wasn't exactly obviously. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Because there were clicks, you know. Yeah, the, the yeah. Rod, uh, well, like any Rod any, yeah, whatever else, any you know, like, geographic location yeah, in industry and, uh, will have clicks. But the point was that all the, the, it, 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 I just got so absorbed by the West Coast scene, uh-huh. you know, which is sort of, I guess, is kind of soft rock, but um, nonetheless, uh, I met such, so many beautiful people, and we worked so hard together to get things right. You know, uh, working with like Linda Ronstadt, which is like possibly the best, best wonderful, most yeah, wonderful you've person you've worked what, with. Seven or eight? Uh, no, more than that. It's more 10, like 20. 12, 20 albums? Yeah, cover? if you count some of the later stuff, yeah, and really? sort of go into the sort of, uh, you know, uh, her mariachi stuff and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. I think she fell in love with you. I, I fell in love with her, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first uh, uh, album cover you did uh, for Linda? Prisoner in Disguise. Prisoner in Disguise. Yeah, which yeah, was that yeah. black one with a little picture of her in the middle. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a lock, almost like a locket or yeah, something that like was that. And then, yeah, but of course, Simple Dreams. Oh, that's... Well, now, Simple Dreams, we knew... Um, what we're going to do with that? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because, hey, personally, that's my favorite album cover it's, you did w- with her. Um, yeah. you know, I was probably just the right age where that may have been the sexiest uh, picture I, I had ever seen at oh, that point. Oh, yeah, well, actually, that was the second sexiest picture. Uh, the first one was sexier, um, but the record company 
Oh, it. before that. Yeah, we had to reshoot oh, it. Oh, well, yes. when we're, we're, we're done with this, you're going to have to show me the first one. Yeah, I've got, I've got the prints, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I I just come off Hasten Down the Wind, and we had that nipple problem with Hasten Down the Wind. No, tell me about the nipple well, problem. Well, if you look at the cover, you'll see why. Oh. Uh, you, she's wearing this sort of chiffon diaphanous thing, uh-huh. you know, there's a horse going in the background. It's uh-huh. very pretty. Uh-huh. But you can see her nipples. Well, what about I, Roxy Music? Well, I know, but this is the difference. So the point was that um, I the problem I had with Hasten Down the Wind was that one of her hands kind of looked like a claw because he was doing sort of scrunching it up. Uh-huh. And I spent so much time re-photographing the hand and putting it on that I didn't see the nipples. Oh. Okay. And then the National Organization of Women are coming down on me like a ton. Really? Saying, you know, you're selling sex or you're selling music. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big problem. So when we did Simple Dreams, we had too much cleavage. And so the record company got shy about it. And we had to reshoot the whole thing. Now, that's a setup because it, you're in Pantages Theatre. There's all those mirrors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you, can't, you, might, you mustn't see the camera. There's no Photoshop in those days. You know? No. You can't see the camera. You can't see me holding up yeah. the, 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 the screen. It's like uh, her in her boudoir. And what is the look. The film that we used for the first shoot, okay, had been discontinued by Gaff. And we had to find a new film stock, and we couldn't get the same grain structure. Really? I had to send the film to Delhi in mm-hmm. India. To get them to cook the film to get that grain structure, to get back to where we were. That's amazing. Yeah, and it will have to be done in three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you got paid the big bucks. Well, not that big. (laughs) 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 Only Hotel California was big. (laughs) Well, since you brought it up, yes, you also uh, did the cover of Hotel California. Yes, I did. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, I don't know what to say because... um, uh, I, I was invited into Irving Azoff's office to hear the title track with Glenn Fry. Uh, I mean, I think the whole I think the whole band were there actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, and so I heard this music, and uh, it was obvious that we had to find a, a really great hotel. So Don Henley said, "Go look," you know. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the title, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think we shot three different hotels. Okay. And who did you shoot that with? Oh, um David Alexander, uh-huh. the great David Alexander who I speak to occasionally and I'd like to call him. I'm again. sure we'll get him on your yeah, show. Yeah, we really yeah. is cuz he's got yeah. we did a lot. Yeah. We did Leonard yeah. Skinner. We did a whole lot of stuff uh-huh. with uh, uh-huh. with David. Um anyway, so we fo- we photographed all three and it was obviously the one that's going to win. The competition, if you can call it that, was it really? Was that, that was the Beverly Hills, the Beverly Hotel, Hills Hotel yeah, uh, in the sunset? sunset. Yeah. Right, right. And and so that was prints. just the head and shoulders above the other. Yeah, and so. it, well, yeah, and we made prints the size of the table we're sitting at, which you, no one can see except you and I. Um, to so, I mean, a, the point. a good four feet by yeah, uh, beautiful, by beautiful dye okay. transfers in those days. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just obvious that that was going to be the cover because it just like was like gleaming at you. you know, uh-huh. so. Did the boys come in and approve yes. it? Yes. Well, they... actually, Henley came in and Fry came in. Oh, and Randy Meisner, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know whether anyone, you know, I can't remember. It's no. 50 years but, ago. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but they all said, But wow, Azov, Azov smile, which means we got it. Right, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's all that matters. Yes. Right, right. You got the manager on board. You're yeah. ready. You're ready to go. Yeah, those are. That's uh, we, I, we've hit on some pretty iconic uh, uh, album covers here, I of know. which it's again, amazing, of, isn't it? of only a few of almost two thousand. It it's, seems like yeah. I, 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 someone says it was two thousand. Yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's pretty close. I oh, think it's pretty okay. close. So uh, walk us through like a, a, a shoot. What's the what's the prep like? Uh, you know what's a what's a typical album cover is from inception to completion. Well, there is no typical album. That's the point. I mean, uh-huh. it's either you know serendipity can happen. Yeah. You know, you can say that you know who's next was serendipity. You can say, but he comes down to sort of Hotel California. A lot of prep goes into that. You have to work out, and with the you know simple dreams and all Linda Ronstadt's covers, actually, um, you work out the lighting with the photographer very carefully. You know, because mm. um, the, the 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 star has to walk in and be totally comfortable. So craft services are all arranged. Everything's sort of nicely fixed and they feel comfortable and they're not going to keep looking at their watch because they have to leave. Right. Um, but normally what happens is you, if you've still got sketching skills left, which I'm kind of minor diminishing, you draw things out, you know, so you can work out with the photographer particularly where the lighting is going to go. But you also have to talk to the printer to say, you know, if this is a gatefold, I want this to wrap around here and I want this to do this. Mm -hmm. And you have to think about the images that are going to go out as posters and also the images that are going to go on the label, which we don't have anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. So it all ties up. So if, if you take any package apart, yeah, you know it, exactly what it belongs to because there's the label. It looks like that, and everything's kind of comes together mm-hmm. in one beautiful thing, which hopefully uh, reflects the music, mm-hmm. which is the whole point in the first place. Right, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so there's a lot of that going on because you know the the record label have to go to take it to their publicity and promotional departments, and they're going to have to like slap things on the side of buses. So you've got to make sure that things are legible as a bus goes by. You yeah, because you want to get the point across. Yeah, so you've got to all those things can ca- capture the eye, like yeah, we said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right and they know. Oh, I know that is. I buy that record. You know, yeah. and then when they walk into the record store, they find it. <laughs> right, right, right. So all that stuff goes in, and there's a, the prep is kind of like I don't know. I think most of the work comes in just drawing the tissues and getting it together and thinking all that stuff through Mm -hmm. and then getting the photography Mm -hmm. right. The rest of it is just cut and paste. What do you think the hardest cover you ever put together was? Hmm. I think it was Simple Dreams, actually. Really? Yeah. Well, cause because that it, film stock and Well, yeah, India but look at the typography and, and all that. Yeah. so precise, uh-huh. you know, because I was showing off because I wanted to win a Grammy. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to because yeah. I wanted it to be so no one can yeah. uh, sort of fake this thing or say this is not up to standard, you know, mm-hmm. so it was letter spacing, yeah. everything. You know? Yeah, you've actually won three Grammys, I right? certainly have, yeah. yes. And the other two were four. Well, Get, get Closer with Linda Ronstadt mm-hmm. and uh, Lush Life which was yeah. the hat box that she appeared in right? when right. she particularly wanted to be. Because her briefs are very kind of narrow, she would say. I just want to look like I'm in the 20s or 30s. Right. Oh, that. Oh, that. because yeah, when you would talk to her. Yeah, put her in the hat box. Um, and when mm. we did uh, Mad Love, she said, I just want to punk this thing up a bit because I'm getting, you know, I need to get more rock and roll in. And that's when we put her in the phone booth right? and gave her a pile of quarters. Right. And she called Jerry Brown, the governor at the time, uh, her in boyfriend. the phone booth. Yes, yes. right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we shot it in black and white. Yeah. And the governor we, at the time and the governor now. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just, just yes, know. precisely. <laughs> uh, I hope he's listening. Um, but the point was that we we mapped that out. We found, you know, it wasn't like we just threw her into phone booth. Yeah. We'd already found oh, yeah, the phone yeah, booth. Yeah. We'd already drawn it. Mm-hmm. We'd drawn it. We'd already sort of fixed the lighting inside it so it would work, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. when she walked in, it would just light up. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> so, 
Well, she must have loved every shoe because, like you said, you've done like 20 album yeah. covers with Yeah, she's her. great fun to work with, yeah. too. It's like Carole King was great fun to work with, mm-hmm. too. She's just like, they're, they're professionals, you see. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they, they trust you. They know you're going to make them look yeah. really good. Yeah, so. because they're not, yeah, they're not yeah. going to, yeah, nothing's going out without them looking at it. Right. You know? Right. And, yeah. They have to approve it, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what's it like walking into a record store and seeing your work? Uh, you know, I mean, throughout. What, what, what was it like? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. There are no more records. <laughs> so I can, well, I there's go, a few. I, there's I a, go rummaging a, through yeah, Amoeba yeah, now and again yeah, yeah. and think, wow, did I do this? Oh, yeah, it's got my name. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so sometimes you forget. That that, that looks like my work. Look it, familiar. Oh, I, need, I need to look, turn it over. Oh, it is me. Was I doing <laughs> things in those days? Right. Um, but, yeah, it used to be you could walk into Tower Records, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like yeah. the, the top 100 all yeah. around the world. By the way, we are after Master Studios right down the street from the old Tower Records. The building's still there. Yeah, I think Owned by Gibson guitars now, but yeah, yeah, I mean, at one point, I think I had like ten, ten albums in the top one hundred, just you know, hanging on the walls there. The great, uh, you know. Art gallery did, in, yeah. in the sky, as it were. Did you ever have a poster on Sunset? You know, the famous oh, yes, big uh, billboard. I'm sorry, oh, the, the billboards. Yeah, I got yeah. a lot of billboards. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah, the this, first one that you remember? Oh, my God, I don't know. Driving down the street and going, oh, my God, there's, uh, uh, there's that uh, Well, I mean, you don't drive down the street and see them because you've already been working with them. Um, yeah. You know, because the, 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 the artists were all downtown in East L.A. and wherever else. And so you be with them. You know, you take yeah. a six-pack and a... A couple of bottles of Jack Daniels to work with the artists, you know, which is very important. Um, hoping they won't fall off the ladder, of course. Um, but no, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the first one, but there's uh, there's a book out now of all the posters that were in uh, on the strip, and I've got a, I think I've got like six pages of those of uh, Linda Ronstadt, Rod Stewart, and uh, I don't know, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So, so. I, I, just your perspective on how the business has changed. I mean, we all know it's changed tremendously. Oh, I don't tremendously, know. I can't, I can't comment because it's now it, – it, it's become downloadable now. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to hold and open right. and smell because yeah. I love the smell of ink. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's it's so different, and uh, it's it's okay because there's you know there's a, there's a whole younger generation coming up making you know great music, new, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I, I, I not so ups, I, I kind of upset about the quality of the of the audio that's coming out on MP3s and whatever else, mm-hmm. and don't get Linda Ronstadt started on that. Oh really? Oh, yeah, oh she, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, Neil but, Young's I mean, been trying I mean, to fight that battle for years. Studio, these and, guys are actually sort of bringing all the music back yeah. and making it sound great again, you know. But there was a time, I think, where it got kind of sloppy. Yeah, MP3s are not yeah, known for now, their quality. Yeah, but now, you know, because there's a resurgence in vinyl, yes, which is cool, yeah, yeah. which is very good. Which I think you're you're getting some work doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, some, yeah. My, uh, re, my clients, uh, yeah, reissues and things like reissues that. Reissues are kind of fun to play yeah. with now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the point is now, uh, the music actually, the, the sound quality of music now, because of Aftermasters, um, is now coming up to the, you know, and beyond the level that we were used to when yeah. we were loved vinyl so that's a good move mm-hmm. um, the music you know I mean there's so many bands out there now which I kind of like lost because you know being an old fart I'm not sort of being invited to work with young 
Turks anymore. Well, yeah, you know? that happens. <laughs> Same yeah. belong to those guys. I mean, yeah. that generation. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's okay because yeah. you know. But uh, you're you're on to other pursuits. Yes, Susan, yeah. my partner, and I are sort of now sort of making movies. Right, right. And you have a new. You have a movie that's just coming out right now. Right. Well, we we got one. Yeah, it's actually we just won the Hollywood Reel Award for a short, which was uh-huh. very nice. But Susan wrote uh-huh. um, called uh, cast, "Casting All Corpses." Yes, right? yeah. Um, and uh, that yeah. you directed. Yes, yeah. Susan sort of wrote it and stars in it, which mm-hmm. is it's just brilliant, of course. And now we're working on a little sci-fi movie, which we're going to. What's it called? At the moment, it's just temporarily called Landings. Uh-huh. I'm not going to go into details because it's still in script stage. Oh, no, but we are trying yeah. to shoot this thing next uh-huh. month so uh-huh. in the desert, which means it's going to be 110 degrees out there. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll uh, hear updates uh, oh, on, yeah, so we'll on your you... upcoming show, uh, yeah. Art of Rock with Caution. Yes, certainly. So. Yeah. so why Kosh? Why not? Pregnant polls. Uh, <laughs> because of my competition with John Pash, who oh, we mentioned earlier, okay. and it was obvious that people were getting confused who was John Kosh and John Pash. Uh-huh. So we, our clients were getting confused, and one of us would start working on one project, and it would be given to us. As, you know, and he just got a muddle. So I decided I'd just be called Kosh, forget the rest of it. So John Pash can go sailing on. Right. So could I. <laughs> and here we have Kosh. Yes, right. So some upcoming guests that we can expect uh, on uh, on the new show. Ah, okay. Well, we're going to hit uh, Bob Blakeman, who is a great photographer who I've worked with for many, many years, and uh, Linda Ronst, another Linda Ronstadt stuff coming up, but David Dinley. Um, he's going to strangle me if I don't remember them all. Um, and also Aaron Rappaport, another great photographer, mm-hmm. uh, who we worked together on. Um, I think he started started out with James Taylor. Uh, I think we did Leonard Skinner with David Alexander. Uh, a, a whole mass of these wonderful stories. And the thing that's good about these stories is that while I will try to protect the clients, the artists, from things that are going not right, in the background, mm-hmm. they would do the same to me. So now I'm learning things. Oh, this will be really funny. Like you know, uh, I'm cheating, yeah, and, and they're cheating yep. on me. So I wouldn't know, you know. <laughs> and th- th- now, forty years later or something, this is funny now. Yeah, at the time it was could have been dire, mm-hmm. you know. But we've got all those sort of. Uh, stories coming out. We've just we did Ron Larson, of course, who was a great friend yeah. and collaborator, and mm-hmm. we had an awful lot of fun together with yeah. an awful lot of clients. That was our pilot show. Yes, folks, the pilot, but, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, that I think turned out quite well. Yeah, it, it did. It was fantastic, and mm. uh, uh, I can't wait to hear more of these uh, these stories and uh, the folks that you worked with, uh, famous and infamous. Yeah, uh, infamous. And, yeah, we got uh, a lot of infamous stories. Yeah, uh, you know, so um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of stuff, the, a, lot of, a lot of the stories we've got actually uh, at the time were, I don't know how to explain it, not heartbreaking, but it's like, uh, can you imagine the sort of s- situation where you are where you just can't really imagine what you're going to do to save this problem? Right. You know, and then 40 years later, when you realize how you got out of that problem and the people you work with maybe not realized it, now find out, well, I find out, it's funny. <laughs> but at the time. Wasn't funny at the time. No, right, no way. Right, but yeah. now it is. And it's like, we, yeah, there's an awful lot of, uh, of, of stars um, who will learn things they never knew. Mm. Uh, and I will learn things that I never understood what was going on. You know, it's already already these guys that I'm speaking to, Aaron and Bob, they've already started telling me things like, what? <laughs> you, know, you did what? 
<laughs> well, Diggers, you are going to have to uh, check out uh, our newest show, uh, Art of Rock, with uh, Kosh and Friends. So, uh, Kosh, thanks for being with us on Deeper Digs in Rock today. Well, thank you. This is uh, great. We, uh, we wanted to j- introduce you to, uh, to uh, uh, the audience, and uh, I think everybody's got a, a little good idea of who you are, and I think a lot of people will uh, tune in to listen to the new oh, show. I hope so, because this is fun. Great. <laughs> it's it's going to be even more fun, believe me. So as I warm up, it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for being with us. Thank you, man. We could only hit on the smallest sliver of the many extraordinary albums Kosh has worked on over the years. I invite you to go get on the Googles and look up Abbey Road, Who's Next, Get Your Yaya's Out, and Hotel California to see how the concepts became reality now that you know the stories. In upcoming episodes of Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends, we will be hearing great stories with some very surprising guests. Uh, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. You will just have to tune in for yourselves, so you can thank me later. Keep an eye on rockandrollarchaeology.com, our Facebook page at the RNRAP, or tweet us at RNRarchaeology for the release. Please go see Kosh's website if you want to know more about him now. That's at koshdesign.blogspot.com. I'm Christian Swain, and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Keep coming back for more. Oh, and please, tell a friend. Thank you. Keep up the rockin'. Hey, diggers. Christian Swain here with a short pause for a great cause. We believe music education for young people is an investment in a better future for all of us. If you listen to our podcasts, chances are you agree. Little Kids Rock has transformed the lives of more than 650,000 public school students by bringing music education into their schools. Little Kids Rock trains teachers in underfunded schools to teach kids the music they love, from the Beatles to Bruno Mars, Led Zeppelin to Lady Gaga, Chuck Berry to Chance the Rapper. Little Kids Rock has become a national movement to restore, expand, and innovate music education in public schools across America. Visit littlekidsrock.org and learn more about how you can help put music where it belongs, in our schools. Thank you, and let's keep up the rockin' right into the next generation. Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.